0: Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. Hey everyone, welcome to the sword and laser. I'm Tom Merritt, and I'm Mallory O'Meara. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And this month, stepping in for Veronica Belmont, who's on maternity leave, Mallory O'Mara for Reading Glasses.
1: Tom, thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. I'm gonna, I'm so excited to do this.
0: I'm so excited that you're willing to do it. Uh, it's uh, it's fun for me because I'm a fan of reading glasses to get you and Bria in months back to back. I'm I'm really enjoying the book that you picked uh, for us. But we do we do have a message from the office of Veronica Belmont. Uh, she wanted to know she she hasn't forgotten about you all. <laughs> uh, she wrote, "Hopefully everyone is watching this dope ass season of The Expanse. I'm trying to read along this month. I also finished the new Bob. Uh, are you familiar with the Bobiverse?" I am
1: not, and I am incredibly intrigued. Uh,
0: The the Babaverse is a series of books by Dennis E. Taylor. Uh, The first one is We Are Legion, about a man who gets uploaded into a computer during an apocalypse on Earth and gives birth to an entire race of replications of his own AI that operate ships. I love it. (laughs) Count me in. And I'm probably, I'm probably not even doing it justice, but, uh, oh, you are yeah. totally
1: doing the justice. <laughs> I am in.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about what we are drinking. What are you drinking these days, Mallory?
1: I am drinking a bunch of different bourbons as I always am, but something that's really exciting about what I'm drinking recently is, so I just finished, uh, by jest. I mean, I think it was two months ago, maybe a month ago. Who knows what time means anymore? But
0: <laughs> time means nothing. <laughs>
1: some point pretty recently, I finished the first draft of my uh, new nonfiction adult book called Girly Drinks, which is the history of women making and drinking alcohol over the world. And so it got me really into looking up and finding new brands of, of whiskey, which is my my the love of my life bourbon particularly uh, that have female distillers. And I found this one and that I've completely fallen in love with. It's old Dominic. And they have a type of bourbon that's called the Hewling Station. And it's a very, very high rye bourbon, which I'm normally not super into, but this one is so smooth. So it's like the, you know, the sweetness and the mellowness of bourbon, but there is this like really lovely spiciness from all the rye. And it tastes just like you're drinking gingerbread. It is awesome. I love mm. it.
0: <laughs> oh, I love gingerbread and bourbon. So that sounds amazing to me. Old, old Dominic Hewling Station. Is yes. that right?
1: Yes, I will. Oh, someone's already put a link in there. Did, was that you? Yeah,
0: you know, I'm clever like that. Incredible.
1: I was going to say, <laughs> I, I can send you the link, but you've already conjured one for yourself. Uh, what is, what are you drinking?
0: I am uh drinking a scotch that I had run out of and missed very much. And so as a Christmas present to myself, uh, I bought a bottle of the Dalmore uh 15 year, and it's a, a Highland scotch. Uh so it's it's up there in the in the you know the far north of Scotland, and it's just kind of buttery and smoky because i like a talisker that's that's sort of buttery i like a Lafroig that's kind of smoky and dalmor just kind of for me anyway uh gives me a little of both uh so it's my go-to
1: Oh, I'm going to have to try that. So I, cause I'm a huge bourbon person, but my boyfriend is wicked into scotch. So
0: our, oh, no kidding.
1: we have, um, we have a bunch of both. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to figure out whether or not because of my book, it, whether it's, it's going to be a tax write-off. I've got cut, cut my fingers crossed for it. Uh, but oh, you we've should be. never, yeah. we've never tried a Dalmore, and I, that's going to be the next scotch we try. I'm very intrigued.
0: I'm glad to hear that. Uh, uh we have a mixed whiskey marriage ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is is a is a big bourbon fan, uh, and I'm the Scotch fan. So that's oh, cool. that's
1: so. You know what? In a magical world, we could go on a double date, but oh, <laughs> right now we'll yes. have to toast each other <laughs> someday
0: when we want. You know, <laughs> maybe kill each other uh, unintentionally. We should yeah. do that. That'd be fun.
1: <laughs> Next year, 2022. Yeah, uh, bourbon right. scotch tasting. I am so All in.
0: Right. Let's move on to the quick burns. Jan uh, posted that the one ring.net has posted the official synopsis for Amazon Studios' Lord of the Rings series. A lot of the headlines I saw on this were uh, focusing on the fact that some familiar characters will be in here. Uh, but Jan said, The synopsis doesn't tell us much except that it's set in the second age, thousands of years before the events of The Lord of the Rings and follows an ensemble of cast of characters both familiar and new as they confront the long-feared re-emergence of evil to Middle-earth. Jan focused on one particular snippet that the show, quote, will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged. He... Points out that fans speculate the show will be about the forging of the great rings and the One Ring to rule them all. Uh, if you're not familiar, the show is set to start filming for seasons one and two in New Zealand this month, and the pilot has already been shot and is currently in post production.
1: It's funny. I was just having a conversation with somebody about this because the great thing about news for about the new Lord of the Rings series is that it's it's one of those wonderful moments for a fan when you already have an adaptation of something that you love, so everything else is just gravy everything is just wonderful great yeah. for this because uh, you know we 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 me and my boyfriend did our yearly rewatch of uh, peter jackson lord of the rings trilogy which is just perfection of course and mm-hmm. we we're just sitting there talking about you know what w- whether or not what whatever the new the amazon series is going to be it'll be fine because we always have this so i haven't been paying too much attention to it i know a lot of folks are uh have really been keeping their one eye on it uh how do you are you excited Not excited. Don't
0: care. I'm. I'm generally a person who you know believes uh, positively until proven otherwise. (laughs) Uh, uh, So I I tend to. (laughs) (laughs) I tend to want to think stuff is good, but there's some some uh, you know some objective stuff here that's being said in New Zealand. They have been consulting with Peter Jackson. They're talking about bringing back characters. Uh, You know, I I love this idea of saying, look, we've got a rich lore that we can draw on. They can't draw on the Silmarillion, uh, I have read. They can only draw on the appendix from Lord of the Rings. So that kind of gives some parameters, gives you some hints of where this uh, will land, which makes me believe that the forging of the the rings might be where this story starts. And that sounds amazing to me. I'm all in.
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna be fine. Again, like I, I can happily rest on on the wonder of the original trilogy. And I'm just like any you know, I, I'm I'm fine with with anything. If it really departs from it, if it's something different, if it's more of the same, it's all good. Like I, I, I share your 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 sentiments of it's going to be fine until proven otherwise, until, yeah. you know, we get some news that they're taking a really hard left turn, you know, like, oh, well, half half the people half the cast is going to be played by Muppets. You know, then I will be like, oh, huh, that's an interesting <laughs> choice. Maybe this won't be what I think it's going to be. Otherwise, it's Fraggle
0: Rock. Oh God, I would
1: actually 100% be down for that. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, <might not laughs> but Until that we bad. get
1: some really bizarre news like that, I'm I'm tentatively excited. Yeah, me too. Uh yeah, and also put in that uh, Polygoners released their list of best sci-fi and fantasy novels of 2020 which is really exciting. Uh there's a bunch of great books on their list. They recommend 16 books from uh Shorefall by Robert Jackson Bennett which has such a gorgeous cover. It is mm. incredible. Uh to Riot Baby by Toshi Onyabuchi, which like was a huge buzzy book of last year definitely recommend reading that. And then to uh, The Salvage Crew by Yudhanjaya Jaya uh, And there's a bunch of other great, great books on there. Uh, Mexican Gothic, which I loved. Piranesi, which I loved. Uh, Once and Future Witches. There, there's so much, so many good books on there. So I, I know a lot of readers, same with movie watchers, actually. It's like after, after December and January, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to look over some best of lists and check out things that I might have missed. Um, look Looking for book or movie recommendations? I wanna wanna see what the best of last year was. This is a great list to start from. There's some some amazing books on there.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. This this is a good list. Uh, and and what's cool to me is that it does it isn't filled with a bunch of stuff we already read on certain yes. laser. It's like additional to the to the stuff we read. And it's it's a greatest hits list. No doubt about it.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, I, I always get, ex- like just like you, I get excited about books, book lists that actually have recommendations for like things I might not have heard of, but there mm-hmm. are some things, uh, Bria and I joked a lot last year, um, We it was an unprecedented reading year for us because there were four different titles that we had to battle over and ended up just sharing because we loved them so much and uh (laughs) mexican gothic was one of them uh highly recommend that uh but the rest of them this is if you're looking for somehow if you are a sword and laser listener and you need more things to read this is a great place to start
0: Oh Yeah, good stuff. Thank you, Jan. Oh, and before I f- thank Jan, I should read Jan's third submission in the Quick Birds. Good job, Jan. Uh, thank you for all this. Lotus Mag has published on their website an article with a short introduction into science fiction in Germany. Uh, Unfortunately, writes Jan, not many German science fiction authors mentioned in the article have been translated into English, and a quick search by him basically only brought up Andreas Eschbach's The Carpet Makers and Frank Schatzings' The Swarm. Uh, But maybe this will change in the future. So this one's a little uh, farther afield to to boost up your, your list, maybe, if you can't find translations, but... I, I still, even if I can't find translations, it's interesting to learn about these kinds of books, so that I can keep an eye out if they ever get announced as like, oh, we are translating, you know, this particular book.
1: Yeah, it's actually something we talk about quite a bit on Reading Glasses, like translated books, because less than three percent of the books that mm. are published in the U.S. are translated, which is completely bonkers when you think of the entire rest of the world out there. You know, there's so many great authors in every single country. Um, we always recommend checking out different awards, trying to find book recommendations and there is the best translated book award and there's very often genre stuff on there. So that's a great place. Cause it's always a bummer to read an article like this and you're like, oh, great. So much German sci-fi. Can't wait to check it out. (laughs) And then you go and there's none to be had.
0: You're like, oh, well, I guess I'll be launching Duolingo. (laughs) (laughs)
1: quick let me just learn an entire language to read
0: this book (laughs) that's dedication uh no you're right and and translation's a skill it's it's it deserves an award because it's a skill all its own to be able to take that's why i'm such a a big fan of ken Liu, who writes great fiction but also is great at translating which are different skills they're complementary but they're different skills and being able to translate the intention the meter the feel the poetry of an author from one language to, to another it's so impressive
1: yeah i remember do you remember this there was a big dust up in the literary community uh, a couple mm. uh years ago because that book came out the vegetarian by Han Kang, and um it, it came out that the in the in the US translation won all these awards and it was this big buzzy book until finally somebody who was fluent in both languages said, this is nothing like the original book. Yes.
0: I remember hearing that. I think
1: somebody compared it to, uh, the original was like reading Dickens and, um, you know, the new version was like reading something like short and quippy, like Chuck Palahniuk. They were like, this is a, ter- might be a good book, but it's a terrible translation. <laughs> and I do think about that quite a bit. So it is great when you can find great translators who you trust and you love their writing style. Um, and, and, and can follow because, you know, stuff like that can happen. There isn't a lot of oversight <laughs> to the translating right. book
0: world. Well, I remember when I, I heard about that, uh, thinking like, well, that's like, adapting something for a screenplay that's not a yes. translation right yes that's it's just writing your own thing. version <laughs> yeah that's almost like fan fiction it's yeah. uh,
1: and then we have some pretty speaking of book news we have some pretty book big book news from eric uh, that dragonlands nexus is reporting that a new Dragonlance book by margaret weiss mm. and tracy hickman will be coming out july of this year in 2021 Um, They have additionally posted on Twitter listings for it on both Google Books and Amazon, showing the date for July 29th. Uh, And the listing is yet untitled. When is the last time a Dragonlance book came out?
0: It's been a while uh, because we we tend to get them uh, as reviews to Sword and Laser. And I haven't seen one in a couple of years. I want to say I'm I'm, unless they just didn't send it to me. But, yeah, it's been it's been a minute.
1: I remember when I was in middle school, it was like a burgeoning fantasy nerd. And that was like one of the things that marked you as like, oh, you're cool. It's like if they were holding Tolkien or it had five zillion Dragonlance books, you're like, oh, man, OK, we get each other. You probably go to the Run Fair too, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm looking. It was uh, Dragonlance Legends Trilogy, uh, September 2011. So wow. it'll be it'll be nice to have them back. Wow, that's longer than I, than I remembered.
1: Again, though, time. Who can like t- time yeah. is meaningless <laughs> right now. Uh,
0: and then Trike uh, wrote that UK's new commemorative coin honoring H.G. Wells uh, uh, gave the War of the Worlds tripod's four legs <laughs> tripod <laughs> four legs and uh, gave the Invisible Man a top hat, which. The Invisible Man in the book does not have a top hat. They're (laughs) honoring H.G. Wells. Uh, But uh, the Royal Mint designer, Chris Costello, uh, in defense, said, quote, The final design combines multiple stories into one stylized and unified composition that is emblematic of all of H.G. Wells' work and fits the unique canvas of a coin.
1: (laughs) You know, I kind of like to think that the Invisible Man put a top hat on for the occasion. He was like, wow, (laughs) we're getting a commemorative coin. I better put on my nice hat.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and and I'm more forgiving of the top hat, uh, especially now that you've given him a motivation. I love that. Uh, <laughs> that was more forgiving of like, yeah, if you do the bandage thing, it doesn't show as well on a coin. Like I get they're putting a space where his head is. I'm still not sure I buy the, the, no, tripod the tripod having four legs. Hilarious. That's because just wrong.
1: It's extra funny to me because you have to work harder. You have to draw an extra leg and then cast an extra leg. You were working harder to be wrong.
0: In the the statement, he said, my design takes inspiration from a variety of machines, including tripods and the handling machines, which have five jointed legs. Like he's trying to argue that he just averaged it, you know, three, five. I I looked at all the
1: number, all the legs mentioned in this book, and I figure that four was was a good average. I'm just not sure that's
0: a great choice.
1: No, it's it just is kind of silly um they sh- they should have put they, maybe they can change it a little bit and put the top hat over the, the fourth leg
0: <laughs> and just cover it up <laughs> just
1: cover it up oh
0: man yeah i mean and 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 i think what's so disappointing is like they're they're supposedly honoring hg wells and so i think that's why people are like yeah but are you really honoring him if you get his tripod wrong anyway <sighs> Yeah. Well, thank you, Trike, (laughs) for that. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, everybody, Uh, for the quick burns. As always, let's move on to Bear Your Sword, our feedback from the audience. We had lots of great suggestions for Crystal, who wanted science fiction and fantasy that's not action driven. She wrote like SFF murder mystery or very minimal violence. Uh, Let's read through some of the suggestions that folks gave to Crystal.
1: There are some really great recommendations in here, or as Bria and I on reading glasses call it, Rex with an X, because Mm. it makes us feel really cool. Uh, (laughs) Derp Kristen says, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers, which is a big uh, book that Bria recommends all the time. Awesome Mm. book. Uh, They say, I guess it had some action in it, but I remember that there wasn't much violence. There's also The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter uh, by Theodore Koss, which I super recommend. I love The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter awesome book yeah
0: we read uh, both of those uh for sword and laser and I, and I loved them both i was kicking myself when i saw Turk kristin had suggested this i'm like of course i love becky chambers long way to a small angry planet how did i not think of that it's perfect uh phil callahan's cross time saloon and the caves of steel uh are two books recommended by phil
1: uh joanna has the wild investigation series by laura lasco starting with fallible justice
0: uh, Jenny from Reading Envy suggested The City and the City by China Mieville, uh, famously written in a mystery style for his mother, who didn't care for fantasy. Uh,
1: and to which Seth added, Mieville's Embassy Town is another title where the action is more intellectual than physical. Uh, I like Joe Walton's trilogy, starting with The Just City 2. It's another one where most of the action is cerebral.
0: When uh, we got more, we got more. And some people were even giving them directly to Crystal on Twitter. So thank you for doing that. Thanks to everybody who suggested uh, things for Crystal. I think we helped her out
1: i actually have my own as well uh this is something that uh, a book that uh we loved on reading glasses which is uh, as she crawled across the table by jonathan letham uh which is about a female scientist who find who has a um creates a black hole in her lab and falls in love with it it is extremely fun and funny uh really really great sci-fi that is not like i don't as far as i know there is no murder no one gets stabbed, <laughs> nothing. There's, oh, I think the only violence is when they try to put a cat into the black hole and it doesn't oh, was work out. I going
0: to ask if anything got put into the black oh, hole. Yes. Oh so, well, yeah, well that,
1: that, mm. that's sort of how the book goes, is that's how she falls in love with it, is they, there's certain things, they they, they start putting objects into the black hole and ah. it accepts some of them, but some of them it spits back out and she starts <laughs> to like think that it has a personality and just falls in love with this black hole, which, you know, what girl hasn't been there?
0: Yeah, it's a singular love. <laughs> uh thank you everybody uh crystal you now have recommendations from here till the end of 2020 which we assume will last forever
1: uh, <laughs> we're still still there we're all still in 2020 <laughs>
0: uh we also heard from ruth ashworth uh who wrote interesting to hear was it mallory talking about dreams i think it was uh, hate when hate dreams we were kicking off yeah Ugh, hate dreams uh, <laughs> Ruth says, I have always had very vivid, detailed dreams, but I have fewer dreams now than I used to, which makes me sad. Dreams to me are this wonderful way to experience so many amazing things. There's also the delightful fact that a lovely long hug I experience in a dream is indistinguishable in memory from a real one. That's lucky, Ruth. Uh, The feelings are the same, and it's comforting to me to know that however far away they might be, my friends can pop into my dreams to give me a hug whenever I need one. So my feelings about dreams are totally the opposite of Mallory's and I can appreciate how awful it would be to lose the ability to dream and why one might consider it reasonable to kill to get that ability back. So I'm very interested in the Marrow Thieves book. Count me in for this one.
1: Ah. No, thank you. Maybe, maybe because I'm a really anxious person. And you and I were actually talking about this before we started the show. But I feel like all my dreams are just like really anxious dreams, where I am out in a place and realize that I have forgotten my mask. Like, I don't have nice dreams where my friends come and hang out with me and give me hugs. (laughs)
0: Yeah, last last night, uh I we were comparing notes and we both had very similar dreams about being in a place without a mask and other people without masks were around us and I I said it's the teeth falling out of your mouth of 2020 2021. Like <laughs> It
1: is so true. It is like I I I also had a dream just like that last night where other people weren't wearing masks. It's like it, it's a weird dream it has replaced the cuz I'm a heavily tattooed person until the pandemic started, I would have these weird dreams where I would go out and look down and realize all my tattoos were gone. Those have been replaced with, Oh my God, I'm not wearing a mask. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, they're all stress dreams of, of one sort or another. And I, I, they're not the only kind of dreams I have. I never get really good hug dreams like Ruth though. I'm kind of jealous of that.
1: I was just going to say, Ruth, can you show us some sort of meditation on how to get nice dreams? Because that that could totally change my perspective on the marrow thieves.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Uh, well that, Leads us to talk about uh, the marrow thieves. Uh, we are going to be non spoilery because uh, we assume there are still people reading, so we'll we'll save our final final spoilery thoughts for the next episode. Uh, but uh, before we get into some of the things that that folks out there were thinking about it, how how are you enjoying it so far?
1: Oh my gosh, Tom, I love this book so much. This is fantastic. Although it is very funny. Um we were I talked on our kick, you know, when we kicked it off last month and announced it. Oh, well, you know, everything's getting better. The inauguration is happening. I'm totally <laughs> in the headspace for an apocalyptic novel. Uh, Incorrect. (laughs) I don't know why I said that out loud. What were we thinking? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it has been a little different um, reading this book after the events of the past two weeks, but I still really, really like it. This is the kind of sci-fi that I absolutely love. I love something that's very character driven. I uh, am the sort of reader that loves the the Ray Bradbury school of sci-fi that's more... I forget what his quote was. He's like, I don't care about, you know, what the, I'm trying to remember the exact wording of the quote. It was, I don't care how, how the rocket flies. I want to know where it's going.
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah. Okay.
1: And I, that's how very much how I am. Uh, So I am, Oh, whenever I read sci-fi, I'm very much interested in how it's affecting all the characters. And I mean, this book is that it's it's almost all the events of, of the novel, you know, all the big things that are happening in the world and, you know, being hunted for their bone marrow and all the post-apocalyptic stuff. It's all—it's very much happening in the background to the lives of these characters. And I love that. I love teenage problems in the middle of the end of the world. Like, I love the <laughs> fact that the main character is like, oh, God, we're being hunted for our bone marrow. But I have this terrible crush. Like, I, <laughs> I, I love
0: that. How do I talk to her? <laughs>
1: I, oh, my God, we're in a post-apocalyptic nightmare world. How do I talk to this girl? Like, I yeah. am so in for it. Uh, what do you think?
0: I'm really enjoying it and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by where it's going and and I don't mean that to sound like uh I was expecting it to be bad I mean I expected it to be a particular kind of story and it's not uh and I'm enjoying this one as much or better than the one I thought I was going to get uh this this is a road story this is this is kind of similar I guess in a way to the ha- second half of parable of the sower uh, where they're, you know, where you've got a group on the road, but that's the it's the whole story. And this is a tight community. This is not a, a group of ragtag people who found each other. This is a group of people who, who have a common purpose. And I guess they are sort of a ragtag group of people who found each other, but they found each other for kind of a binding, more binding reason, uh, because they have a shared ancestry and a, and want to learn this language and traditions. And I don't know. It feels like the group. Is less about are they going to hang together. It's more about are they going to survive. Uh, and honestly, it feels like it's more about telling the story of their people than it is about the world around them. That's just the the stage setting.
1: Yeah, it, it feels very different than something like The Walking Dead, where you know there are these you know these people that got together. They're just trying to survive. What I really love about this is, I mean, besides the writing, her writing is just fantastic. But, you know, again, their, their, their backstories are all being sort of slowly uh, unfolded mm-hmm. throughout the book. And while they're on this hunt, you know, they're trying to, the main character, Frenchie, is like trying to learn his, the language of his people and trying to really reconnect with the past, which is something I don't think you see in apocalyptic novels as, as much as it is, is in this book where they're just like we don't care about all this other stuff that happens like we care about our cultures and our traditions and i think a lot of sci-fi books are about like okay we're starting new <laughs> we're doing something totally different like um we're we're going to create a new language a new world or new culture and this is very much like this is stuff that has been the same throughout all of this and it's not stopping and they're trying to preserve it and it's so um it, it almost feels sort of like a station 11 I think it's the best call oh, yeah. for it uh-huh. um, instead of something like, again, like The Walking Dead or The Road or uh, other, you know, grim sci-fi books.
0: Yeah, it's a less stationary 11, right? Because they're, they're, <laughs> they're on the move. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the, I, I wish they picked that as a subtitle. <laughs> the, the unstationary eleven.
0: <laughs> yeah, the not so stationary. Uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There is there is an overlap in that feeling uh, there, and the the other thing I've been thinking about is I've had a lot of friends tell me like you know oh people are very upset because they are now experiencing what my kind of people have experienced forever. Uh, and, and so we're less worried about the things that they're worried about because of that. And particularly black people, uh, and, and political machinations are like, yeah, that's not new for us. I've been thinking about that with this book where they are not as concerned with the things you might expect characters in this world to be concerned with because they're like, yeah, that's not new for us. We, you know, we've been persecuted for forever like that part isn't new it's just what what is the nature of this particular version of it that we have to deal with and i think that's very well told here
1: yeah it's it's really interesting to see uh, a story like this from the perspective of a people that have all the things that everybody else wants them to have. You know, there's. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen the versions of this story from other authors, from I mean, you know, the story is all about this pan, this plague that has, you know, which we wouldn't know anything about. You know, what <laughs> has no, 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 uh, no, para, no uh, connections to real life. You know, being in a in a quarantine, being in a pandemic. Uh, it, it's in a. It, it's from the perspective of characters who aren't experiencing that. They are not going through uh, a sickness. They are not going mm-hmm. through, they're the one, they're totally fine. I mean, besides yeah. the fact that they're being hunted, their lives haven't changed that much. And I think, like you said, it's so fascinating to read uh, this story from a type of character. I just think we, I, I've never read sci-fi like this before, which has been really exciting for me um, as a reader.
0: And I love Frenchie. Uh, it, it's such a well-constructed, believable character. That can give anyone who picks up this book an entry into it by being a little bit naive about the 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 world that he's entering, but also is absolutely true to you know his his character and and his people and and all of that. I'm I'm having I'm really enjoying this book.
1: Yeah, it's it's really I I, before I read this book, I never realized how great it is what a great literary choice it is to tell a story like this from the point of view of a teenager because one of the things in the book is that you know this the story of their people and the story of how all these awful events came to pass um and you have to be old enough to to know it so there's there's many children in the group and so everybody in this group knows different levels of what's going on so you're mm-hmm. I love a book that sort of doles out slowly the backstory of everything that's happening and you're finding out all the backstories of all the other characters. You're slowly finding out the, uh, the backstory of how the world got to this place along with Frenchie is as he finds out. And it's kind of perfect because, you know, teenagers, teenagers are like that. They're very self-centered. They're going through the world, really thinking about themselves first and then he, there's many moments in this book where he stops and he gets, you know, the backstory of another character or another piece of the puzzle of how the world got to be this way. And it sort of stops him and take like he's sort of taken aback and go and like, you know, jarred out of his mm. self-centered teenage space and go and like thinks about it for a second. And it's sort of a perfect way to tell a post apocalyptic story instead of just like, you know, the big expo- exposition dump at the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I uh... Parable of the Sower was a little closer to home uh, for many reasons. You know, there was there was uh, it was set in Los Angeles, and I live <laughs> in Los Angeles, uh, so I knew all the highways they were mentioning, and and it, it was a little more of like this is like the modern day. Uh, this story, I feel like, you know, maybe partly because it's in Canada and I don't live in Canada, but also because uh, it's a different people and it's 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 more removed from our modern. Uh, from our everyday experience because they're they're just, you know, out in the woods uh fleeing. It it feels like it's hitting close to home less. So it is easier to read, if that makes any sense. It's not mirroring the current world as much.
1: Yes. No, I, I totally agree with that. And you know, I also live in Los Angeles. So thinking about being up north with all these trees and, you know, it's mm. snowing, there's a scene. Um, and this is not a Big spoiler, but there's a scene where like it's snowing and you're just yeah. it, it, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit, which at least for us I'm spoiler, sure you,
0: it snows in Canada. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure maybe if you were reading this book in Canada, which I'm sure some of your listeners are, it yeah. hits a little bit close to home. Mm. I think it helps too that um it this feels I wouldn't say this is a super far like super post apocalyptic fiction, but it's pretty out there. It's all like they, they often in the novel uh, refer to these like cataclysmic events that have happened and they're pretty far in the future, you know, like cities falling Mm -hmm. into the sea. Uh, A lot of this book is about climate change. um, And it, uh, uh, but that's something that's very pertinent for us, but it is told after so much, so many big things have happened. This is not like a, This is not an apocalyptic book. It is a very much a post-apocalyptic book. So it's a little bit easier to read um, in, in that way. And it's a little, it's a little easier to take, I think.
0: Yeah. In fact, a lot of people were finding it less dark than they expected. Lisa said, I found it wasn't very dark or dismal or too dystopian. The part that has most people despairing about Métis and other native First Nations being harvested is relegated to mostly backstory. I found it more like the 10,000 doors of January than Parable of the Sower. Dimeline writes very believably, and I could see very clearly the scenes she was setting. Examples such as, spoiler and spoiler, if you want to go to our Goodreads page and see them, uh, I could absolutely see that and understand what the body language is conveying. Also, the audiobook narrator, Miguin Fairbrother, was very good. Uh, I'm very happy they picked someone from First Nations to narrate. If you like anything with a Native American First Nations Métis feel, this is in your wheelhouse. It's definitely in mine. I went ahead and gave this five stars. I'm happy I made the extra effort to find this in audio, which is my preferred method for consuming media. I'm listening to the audiobook on Kobo. Uh, myself, uh, and it's it's really good. It's really well done. Uh, also, Lisa wrote, "I filed this in both Tom and Veronica for the sword and laser goals. That's you know, <laughs> sword and laser. Uh, it's dystopian, which is generally filed under sci-fi speculative. But the concept of native marrow being linked to dreaming was more like Jade City and California Bones, so I filed it under both. Fight me! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it, Ruth." Ash Worth also chimed in about it saying, I was excited to read this book because the intriguing concept dreams are important to me and I wondered what I would do to get them back if I lost them. I knew this wouldn't be the main perspective in this book, but I expected the motivations to be explored and delved into and they weren't really. I felt rather disappointed, which is unfair because I can hardly be upset with a book simply for not telling the story I wanted it to. And this got me thinking what other books might have defied expectations and whether this was a good or bad thing. Another example for me, and one we've read, was Lovecraft Country, which I had expected would continue the creepy inheritance story set in a house in the middle of the woods. And I was surprised and initially disappointed when it changed directions. In the end, I found I enjoyed the book all the more for surprising me, though I would still have happily read the story I expected. Well, Ruth, congratulations, because uh, apparently Cherie just uh, announced that she was doing a sequel to this.
0: Oh, that's great. So
1: maybe uh, maybe the sequel to The Marrow Thieves uh, will go into a little bit more of the backstory because like we just talked about, this is definitely a book that um, is more focused in the moment, is more focused on the characters, is less focused on um, you know how everything got to be this way.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking about this because I was reading the thread and there's a bunch of other people responded to Ruth and, and with similar feelings of like, yeah, I expected it to be more about The, you know, the people fighting to get the dreams. And it it occurred to me that that would have to include a lot more perspective of the non uh, indigenous people. Yes, And this book is completely from the perspective of the indigenous people. So it makes sense that you're not going to spend a lot of time worrying about the people who can't dream because that's not them
1: actually one of the things i really loved is when Cherie talks about how the way they think about how their dream why they're still dreaming and why uh, other people are not there's a great line where she uh, where frenchie is is listening to um the the older woman in the group talking about how their dreams get caught in their bone marrow like spider webs mm-hmm. and i just thought that was so great and there's so much like wonderful evocative mythology about their own people as to why they're dreaming and i um is, I, I mean, I totally agree with Ruth. I do love a backstory. One of my favorite moments ever is the moment in a horror movie where they like find the cache of like creepy old letters and everyone tells you exactly what happened. Like I do uh, love, yeah. I do love that. <laughs> um, but that I thought hearing their own mythology as to why this group of people is still able to dream. I felt really made up for it and I love it so much.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really good way of putting it because it's, it's not about who can't dream. That's their problem. But here's why we do dream. Uh, Yes. And yeah, that's cool. Uh, Then finally, Ian wrote, uh, Hi, motivated by this month's pick, I realized I had never read any Australian indigenous sci-fi and fantasy. This led me on a mostly fruitless search for some writers, which after much searching, I found a couple. The Interrogation of a Shala Wolf is another YA sci-fi book set after the apocalypse and after the recovery. With indigenous themes that are very similar to the Marrow Thieves. The Stolen Generation informs the book with young people scraping institutions. It leans heavily on indigenous mythology and the Australian landscape. It also has similarities with the New Mutants. If you like TMT, this is worth a look. The author, Ambulin mulina is from the Paliku people in northwest Australia. Uh, he also said, I have The Old Lie by Claire G. Coleman, which looks like hard sci-fi with an Indigenous take on my to-be-read list as well.
1: Oh, that is so awesome. It's actually something that we have on the Reading Glasses Challenge for 2021 is uh, reading a a book by a, um, a Native or First Nations or Indigenous author. Because, you know, like Ian saw there, that we don't publish enough. And the best way to get more things published is to Buy and read books by those types of authors. Uh, some of the one of the things that I one of the moments I loved the most in *Marrow Thieves* is when they're telling a little bit of the backstory about what's going on, and they're saying that um, I forget which character is is saying this, but how they're describing when people stop being able to dream people, a lot of people started reading again uh, because Uh they were like, oh, we heard that, you know, reading books makes you dream more. So all of a sudden there was like a huge push in the publishing industry. And I'm like, man, that is really funny because that sounds like something that absolutely would happen.
0: Yeah. 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 Although I, I, when I read that, I was like, huh, if I I read all the time before I go to bed, but I don't know if it, Actually affects my dreams or not? Maybe because I always read, I don't notice. I, yeah, I can't. I
1: can't, rem- I can't think about a world in which I don't read all the time. Uh, and I yeah. actually, I don't really know that many people who don't read a bunch. Um, but it, it is such a funny thing to me. Just imagining like a bunch of like you know suit and tie guys from Wall Street going, "I need some books. Oh my god, you got to give me some books.
0: <laughs> Send me books. I don't care what. I got a dream. <laughs> I, just, I don't know why they they're they're from the twenties apparently. <laughs>
1: It just definitely seems like something that would happen because, you know, it's such a it's such a uh, part of the cycle of this country that like when some new thing is like connected mm-hmm. to whatever wellness craze is happening, everyone like rushes out to go buy a version of it. And I find it very funny thinking about that being yeah.
0: books. You're so right. There would be like books sold that are specially written to encourage you to dream. Right. Like they <laughs> Proven to they give start... you 20
1: percent more dreams. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly uh well uh folks we will be wrapping up spoilery uh the marrow thieves next episode so if you haven't already finished i know a lot of you have uh you got until then uh to do it and uh mallory thank you so much uh this has been a pleasure i've really enjoyed talking with you i can't wait to do it again next time
1: I cannot wait. It's funny. We, uh, we were just talking before the show about how we both stopped around the same point mm-hmm. so we could talk about the spoiler parts. So I think, uh, I am sure you will join me in this. As soon as we're done recording this tonight, I get, I get to go back and read the next read, uh, whatever happens and finally get through Marrow Thieves oh, yeah. because I'm so on pins and needles wondering what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> I don't even want, I've no, I know that that keep my mouth shut. Yes. Go read that. You should do that. That's a good idea. <laughs>
1: Oh, I can't wait! I can't wait to, to to do a spoilery version of this conversation. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much. It is such an honor to stand in for Veronica while she takes care of her extremely adorable baby.
0: Oh my gosh, he's bigger now, but still so cute, so, so cute, so cute. Yeah. Uh, so folks, go check out Reading Glasses. Where's Where's the best way to go if people are like, I've never heard of it. Where do I go?
1: Uh, well, you can go to. Uh, I mean, we have Instagram, Twitter reading G podcast or reading glasses podcast. You can go to maximumfun.com and we have a reading glasses page there. We're I think now we're on almost every way you can listen to a podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh don't put in reading glasses because then you will get many websites trying to sell mm. you actual reading glasses. <laughs> but if you put a, put reading glasses podcast, we're basically anywhere that you could ever want to find
0: us. Great. Great, go do that, folks. If you haven't already, uh, this show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back our show. If you would like to support the show as well, head to patreoncom laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com/picks. Our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website swordandlaser.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And of course, you can join in the conversation at Goodreads.com. We'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio programs so good, it's like you're there.